Life Audio. You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today I have a special guest, Karen Bajani. She and her husband started I Hope Ministries, which is a, a ministry to help embolden Christians to share their faith across cultures and across faiths. Uh, they started particularly in the, the Muslim faith because her husband uh, grew up as a Christian in the Middle East. And so we're going to talk about that. And also they came up with, they have five essential ways to evangelize across cultures and across faith. So we're going to get into those five ways. But first, a word from our sponsor. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith. But I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry. Your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Welcome, Karen Bajani. It's great to be here. Good to have you. Mm -hmm. So first, before we get into I Hope Ministries and the the Blue Chord, the book you wrote, Mm -hmm. um, and and the five essentials in evangelism or sharing the gospel across cultures and across faiths, etc., let's let's talk a little bit about your backstory about your husband's backstory and how you guys met so let so tell us a little bit about that sure it really is a god story because i grew up on a farm in the midwest and so that meant all my friends were either baptist or methodist and i didn't even know that there were people of other faiths that they existed within the world and shortly after that i i met my husband my now husband who grew up uh, a a Christian persecuted and tortured for his faith throughout the Middle East and North Africa. And so, and he's, he's Lebanese, right? Your husband? He's Lebanese, born in Baghdad, Iraq to Lebanese parents, lived all throughout the Middle East and North Africa as a child. And how, and so, and how did he come to faith in Christ just through, through his family? 
I'm assuming his his parents were Christians. Yes, his mother was in Baghdad, Iraq. It's a largely an Islamic ruled nation. And so his mother was, I would say, a secular Christian at the time. Then she was born again and she wanted her kids to be raised to know to know Jesus. And so she taught him in the home all about Jesus. And so he would go out on the balcony and begin to to preach whatever he heard his mother saying, just singing, singing about Jesus, preaching about Jesus as a four-year-old and that got him um kidnapped and wow tortured um as an infidel in in that uh, environment and so how long did that go on well that happened repeatedly in his life up until the age of 13 so much so that he began to think that that was just part of life that was the way it is and about the time he hit 13 he had an awakening where he heard this word infidel and for the first time he made that correlation to the fact that he was a Jesus follower and um, he began at that point to just it's a long story, but he began to hate and hate the Lord and realize and hate Muslims because everything, all of that pain and, and uh, trauma that he was experiencing was because he was a follower of Jesus. And what was his, so what was his mother doing during this time when he was being persecuted? Was she completely traumatized by this? Yeah. When, when, um, so when, when it happened as he was growing up, he couldn't articulate exactly what was happening. And so he, it became normal to him. And so he just thought it was part of life until one day when, when he got into a particularly bad fight and he came home and shared with his mother what was happening, she was just traumatized, as you can imagine any mother would be. And they got him out of the, um, out of that city. In fact, they were in Libya at the time. So they got him out of Libya, sent him to live with his older brother in Beirut, who was an international student. Then war broke out between Muslims and Christians as a 13 year old. So I remember that war. Yeah, I remember that. So he, he, there he is. Imagine mothers of sons. Imagine your son at 13 with a machine gun in hand, um, fighting and this war, um, in, in Beirut. God miraculously brought him out there, out of that, and to the U.S. when he was 13. And his older brother by this point was a college student in Southern California. So Renaud came with $250 in his socks, um, coming to see his brother, didn't really know English very well, and had just really lived a very painful, traumatic life up until this point. Wow. Yeah, so when he came stateside um, and... Then, then the Iranian crisis broke out. So he got teased in high school because all these people thought he was Iranian, like go back home. And, and so just filled with trauma. And in that moment, he just walked completely away from the Lord. And where, so did his mother stay in, uh, was she in still in Baghdad or was she in the U S as well? By that point they were, they were still his, his parents were construction workers and they worked all throughout the middle East, wherever his dad could find work. Okay. And so, so it took a couple years before between my husband and his brother, they could raise enough money to bring their parents over to the United States. Okay. And, and so, you know, classic immigrant story where all of the family is working hard together to bring family members over. Yeah. And, and then how did you end up meeting your husband? So, so imagine, you know, I'm, I have a leave it to beaver 
growing up period. So the only way that I could meet my husband was through God's divine appointment by way of eHarmony. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So, <laughs> I love it. eHarmony was, is it still around? It was like an online dating know. thing. It was like the first know. one of its kind, right? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, that's another story. But right away, we could clearly see that the Lord had put us together for a purpose. So you have this man from the Middle East, this this blonde, um, you know, completely naive uh, American from the Midwest, and so, and then how did you, and Renaud, how did you guys start feeling kind of the call to start this ministry? What, what, how did that grow, come about? Yeah, Renaud had already felt that calling before we met. Uh, he went back to the Middle East uh, with, with a short-term mission trip, kind of begrudgingly. And as he went back, he, he, he began to realize that many of the churches throughout Lebanon, southern Lebanon, they had been converted to mosques. These are places where the, the Christianity began and spread mm-hmm. and are now churches that are mosques. And when he was growing up in the Middle East, uh, Lebanon was about 65% Christian. Today, the, it's the majority is Muslim. Mm-hmm. Now... The same patterns are repeating itself here in the United States, the U.S. About 65% of Christians identify as, or 65% of Americans identify as Christians here. Meanwhile, Islam is doubling in the U.S. every every 10 years. And so he began to really have this calling uh, to love Muslims. He likes to say, now I'm serving the God I once denied, loving the people I once hated. So, yeah. So while the Lord was working on him and he knew that um, he was having that calling for myself, I was having my own awakening to realize that there were many immigrants and refugees and international students all around me. And I was starting to see in grocery stores uh, around the city that I live, lots of moms in the dairy aisle, you know, with their families trying to raise up their kids to follow God as they know him. And they've come from some of the world's least reached nations, places where they never would hear about Jesus. And yet I realized that I certainly felt a lot of fear and trepidation. And in fact, I didn't even see myself engaging with them. I didn't, I wasn't quite sure I was motivated to do it. And I certainly didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And and that's how the Lord put us together, because Renaud began to show me that it was not as hard as I imagined. Yeah, because you mentioned um, that, that he when he was first trying to reach Muslims, he was kind of studying, you know, the Quran and trying to do yeah. apologetics. But tell us about that, how he how that kind of evolved. Yeah, when he first started to feel this calling to engage with Muslims, he thought he needed a skill up because he didn't know how to do this. So he deeply studied the Quran. He studied all of the apologists of the day, studied uh, under academics, you know, the, the thought leaders at the time for how to engage with Muslims. Yeah. And the more that he he dove into that process, the more overwhelmed he became. It was like rocket science. And so still he got out there and he was trying to replicate these different methods, the, the different apologetics approaches, and he wasn't having any fruit. It was frustrating. He just felt like a failure in the process. 
and he began to look around and realize, well, nobody's having much success with this either. Why am I trying to emulate all these things? Maybe I need to just step back and talk to people who are, who are uh, new Christians from Muslim backgrounds and ask them their stories. And that's what he began to do. He began to interview hundreds of uh, new Christians from Muslim backgrounds just to hear their testimonies. How did the Lord woo him, woo them to himself? We'll be right back after this short break. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com. And what did he find? Yeah, through that process, he realized five patterns across this endless variety of testimonies, there were really five things that were common in all those testimonies. And they're simple things that Jesus taught his disciples to do. And it wasn't rocket science. <laughs> exactly. And so you, you mentioned the five, five things, the five essentials. So let's yeah. go, let's talk about them. Um, yeah. The, the first essential is love in words, actions, and deeds. So what is that? What does that mean? What do you mean by that? And talk about that. Yeah. So let me just first say that when I, when we unpack these essentials together, they're going to sound so easy. Like, wow. Yeah, of course I could do those. The key is practicing all of them together over time in the context of a relationship. So the first one is to love in words, actions, and deeds. And, and here's why it's so important. All of those new believers from other faith backgrounds shared that the love of Christ flowing to them through their Christian friend was so winsome, mm-hmm. especially to Muslims, because um, their God is not love. Love is right. not a, not a, a characteristic there. So that love causes people to go why are you so kind to me? Why are you so loving to me? And that gives an an incredible opportunity just to share the love of Christ. Um, Emboldens us. It it just compels us to love. Yeah. Um, And then, so love in words, action, and deed. And I I think of, uh, what is the the quote from Francis Assisi? I don't know if this is, if this is, he actually said this, but people attribute this to him. And it's, uh, he says, preach the gospel. And I don't know this. I think this is a bad, bad idea, but he says, preach the gospel at all times. Use, use words if necessary. And I partly agree with that. Yes. The the love of Christ, people are drawn to that, but also the gospel is good news. And and as DA Carson would say, what do you do with news? You announce it. You have to speak the, you can't, you know, you need to preach the word. You need to, to preach the good news or, and, and, and share the good news. You can't just, <laughs> you know, you can't just be kind of like a loving person. Uh, so there's words are necessary at a certain point. So, yes. but let's go on to, to number two, you yes. say, and it's funny because you talk about, person, a person of peace. You say, look for a person of peace. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone from London, um, a vicar in London, actually, who was connected to our, my church in London came to LA and he was giving uh, 
a talk on evangelism and he, he mentioned POP people of peace or person of peace. What does that mean? What is a person of peace? How do you know who is a person of peace and how does that, so explain that. Yeah. So a person of peace just means that it's someone that God is wooing to himself. So this is one of the great struggles for us, especially Western Christians. We just want to go share John three sixteen and have them say yes right away. And if they don't say yes, then, then well, um, we think maybe we did something wrong or they're not even interested. But it could be that God is not wooing that person to himself yet. The Bible tells us in several passages that no one can come to me except by the Father. No one can come to him unless they're wooed first by the Holy Spirit. And so our role is to be obedient, to share that good news, and look for who the Lord is bringing to himself. And so there are lots of kind of clues that we can watch as believers, and there's some things that we can do through through our words and our actions that will help us identify if we are engaging with someone who, who might be a person of peace. And so, so give us, give us kind of an example or an illustration of, of how you would identify a person of peace. Yeah. So one of the easiest ways to do it is to engage one of the next essentials. And that is to um, either share the gospel. And now that sounds a little scary. So I'm going to unpack it so it doesn't sound intimidating. At all. <laughs> and I'm going to share it in a way that is, um, it's through a story. So this happened to me just a couple weeks ago. So I live near a large city park. And so I was out walking and every day I'm kind of have this attitude. I'm, I'm going to live as an authentic Christian witness around my daily life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always going to be looking to see where, where's God maybe working in someone's life. So as I was walking around the park, I happened to see these two women. They were Muslim women covered from head to toe. I suspected they were from Pakistan. And and I was just praying about them. Wow, Lord, that's interesting. There's these two women on the path right next to me. And all of a sudden, I felt this nudge. Go talk to them. So I'm having this wrestling conversation with the Lord. No, Lord, surely you can't mean me. Go talk to them. And it was that nudge, you know, that nudge when, yeah. when we feel it. So, yep, I got to go talk to him. I have to be obedient because in that moment, there's always joy on the other side. So, so I went up to them and I said, hey, my name's Karen. This is going to sound crazy. You know, the Lord must really love you because I just felt like I should come over and um, just say hi and, and perhaps get to, to pray for you. And they were like, well, hello, my name is so-and-so. And then I say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And here's what that means. It just means what the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Tell me about you. They were like, oh, well, we're Muslim. Oh, how interesting. The next thing you know, we're off and running. They're leaning into me. That tells me they might be persons of peace. They didn't Mm. go running in another direction. They stuck with me in the conversation. So I quickly discovered that the mother had some health problems. That led me to the next essential where I said, oh, you know, I told you I was a follower of Jesus. I'd, I'd love to pray with you right now about this situation. Is that okay? They said, yes. In fact, the woman grabbed my hand and put it on her head. Um, she's like, I'm suffering from migraines and I have diabetes. And then I said, I pray in Jesus's name because the Bible tells us he's on the right 
at the right hand of God interceding on behalf of us. So is that okay with you? Yes, yes, she said. <laughs> well, then also pray for this, this, and this too. So the next thing you know, we're in the middle of the park and, and I'm praying together with them for these, these health concerns that they have. When I say in Jesus's name, amen, I look up and they're both crying. They're wow. touched. And then I then I was beating myself up for wrestling with the Lord about going over and saying hello to them um, because they're, they were persons of peace. The yeah. Lord was wooing them to themselves. Yeah. And I mean, I, I kind of discovered that early on uh, after I became a Christian 13 years ago when I would go on the set of photo shoots, fashion shoots. I, I would, well, first of all, I would pray before I would go on the shoots and, mm -hmm. uh, and I would ask the Holy spirit to just lead me to the person of peace or lead me to someone that, that uh, a divine appointment or someone I should share the gospel with. And I'm telling you 10 out of 10 times on all of these shoots, I would, God would lead me to the person of peace. And I could tell immediately, like this person is, has a soft heart. They want to hear the gospel. They want to hear. And, and a lot of them I, you know, would pray with, I would pray for. And, uh, so yeah, there is something to that. You can kind of uh, discern that you can discern who is soft-hearted and who, because, and then there are some people who just immediately are like, Oh no, get away from me. Like, I don't want right. to hear anything. Right. So yeah, obviously that's not a person to be, um, and that, that's how that happens. You know, that happened, that's happened to me many times. And, so it's not like a foolproof thing of discerning no, it, but, no. um, but yeah, I, when, when someone, when I, when I do open a conversation about the gospel and Jesus to someone and they immediately are like, Oh no, I'm not interested. Well, I, I don't, I don't try to force anything. You know, I'm not right. like, I'm like, okay, no, that's just, I just wanted to ask if you needed prayer, <laughs> but I do find that like you said about prayer, when, when you, people love to be prayed for, you know, and, and when you ask someone, I mean, it's kind of scary to do, but when you go up to somebody and ask, you know, Hey, can I pray for you for anything? Mm -hmm. You know, is there anything going on in your life? I can pray for it. People, non-believers and, you know, people in different faiths are very open to that. I found. So yeah, yeah, that's a good key point. Yeah. Recently, I have a, I have some friends who've decided to adopt a spot, whether it's an aisle in the grocery store or a seat in the park, that's their spot. And they know they pray just for some divine appointments at that spot. Amazing. So, as they were sharing that with me, it challenged me. They're right. You know, if they can do this, I can do it too. It encouraged me. So I decided to adopt a spot in my park. And so after having that converse, those conversations with those ladies, I thought that was a one-off one -off situation. But the next morning, I went out for a run in the park and and I was praying, okay, Lord, send me some divine appointments, make me aware, give my, you know, help my heart see the people that you are working and wooing to yourself today. And let me be an instrument in your hands in that. And um, there was a, a young man sitting on this bluff. It was like 630 in the morning. And he was blaring, you know, have metal music tattooed from head to show to toe. He had a skateboard. And I was my first thought was, oh man, is there anyone else out in the park with me? Because <laughs> I'm having this conversation with the Lord. He looks scary. And, and I, 
I hope I can get home, you know, and I'm safe. That's all I'm thinking, being safe. How sa- sad, because I'm walking by him all of a sudden, the spirit nudges me, go talk to him. And I thought, I, I, I can't talk to him. No, really, Lord. And, but that, that sense came strong again. And I had just been praying for that divine appointment. So I knew I ha- I needed to do it. So I took this big breath, like resolutely turned around, walked over to that young man and said, Hey, uh, you're going to think this is crazy, but the <laughs> Lord must really love you. Um, cause I was going to go home, but I felt this nudge in my heart that, that I needed to come over and pray, uh, together with you. Is my name's Karen. I'm a follower of Jesus. Is there anything that you need prayer for? And he, he looked up at me stunned, stunned. And it makes me cry now because he just teared up and he said, I don't even know where to begin. Wow. He he just broke up with his girlfriend. Drugs were involved. Just really one of those heart-wrenching stories. And I realized, man, I'm sitting down on the ground with this young man. We We are having a conversation, pointing him that leads to Jesus. And so as I left that park that day, I was just blown away thinking about how many times that I'm just out and about in my daily life, my head's down, doing my busy thing, getting groceries, doing work, um, that there are people like that all around me and I'm not paying attention and I'm not listening to that nudge. And, and when I hear it, I kind of stuff that down and I'm not moving forward. And what joy there is when we do hear and we do follow through and we see how God is working in someone's life and that we realize God is alive and he is moving and he invites us into that. I was so grateful that I was obedient in that moment because I got to experience the joy of what God was doing in his life. Yeah. That's what's so interesting too about evangelism is it's so encouraging to ourselves. Like when I, when I evangelize and when I talk to people about the gospel and about even my story or whatever, it, it encourages me and I get so excited about them hearing the gospel and, and, and their response to the gospel and how they're, they're, you know, engaging or not engaging so much, but it's, it's very um, encouraging. And I, I, uh, in Los Angeles, you know, it's, this is, I live in a crazy town, uh, but there's so many people I come into contact with all around me all the time. And it's just interesting. Like it's just this, I've talked about this on the show before, but there, you know, there's a, this juice place I go to, I used to, I go almost every day. Well, maybe every other day, but it's the best juice in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um it's amazing it's 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 the best place it's been around since the 70s and uh and yeah i just kind of with the the manager of the place i just she i she was jewish i knew she, i knew she was jewish and but i just opened up to her and i said um i mentioned i think i can't remember how it came up but i mentioned a little bit of my story and and then that turned into me giving her a copy of my book and then me me giving her a, a bible a, a, an ESV bible and um and it's just been cool because i go there now you know and now everyone in the shop there's like four or five workers there and they all know me really well and they all know my story they know i'm a christian yeah and you would think 
that they would be kind of like standoffish with me at this point mm-hmm. because of my story, my book, and um, the fact that I'm a Christian in West Hollywood. Uh, and so, but it's cool because I mean, I was there yesterday and they're, I, every time I go, they're like, Beckett, like, where have you been? We've missed you. And I'm like, Oh, I, you know, I haven't been here in a few days. Sorry. But like, it's, it's just so crazy it, when we, when we open up and share the gospel with people, it's surprise. It's shocking to me, especially in LA. It's shocking how, uh, people are open to it and people are hungry for the truth. They, yeah. they want to know truth people. It's just, I always say this on the show. It's such a burden not to know the truth. It's a, it's a heavy, heavy burden not to know where I came from, what I'm doing here and where I'm going. That is like, I lived in that burden for 42 years. So yeah. I know it well. And so people, I just find that people in general are hungry for the truth or they want to hear a different story other than what the secular humanists are telling them in this world. They want to hear a story of hope, which is true. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, so you, uh, the last, what I think you, we went through four, right? Four of the essentials. Yeah. Love in words, action and deeds. Look mm-hmm. for a person of peace. Number two, number right. three, pray for them in Jesus name. Right. And number four, share the gospel early and often. The simpler, the better. Yes. And number five, share the Bible. So what do you mean by share the Bible? Just you actually give them a physical Bible? Yeah. So let me just go back to share the gospel early and often. Okay. That's really important, when, especially when you're engaging with someone from another faith or culture, because they, the gospel message is completely foreign to them. And so it's not going to click, especially if it's the first time they've ever heard it. So they need to hear it early and often in a context of a relationship because it's counter to their worldview. Right. And so the last way is to share the Bible. And so what that means, like in the context of your relationship with a friend, it's natural when someone, maybe they're wrestling with something, struggling with something. And, and for you to say, Hey, you know, whenever, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. So whenever I'm wrestling with something like this, I find that reading the Bible, particularly this passage here really brings me comfort and peace. Would you like to study that with me? Or would you like to study what the Bible has to say about XYZ. In time, the Holy Spirit guides us. He guides us to know. Um, one of the easiest ways to pull up your phone and just show them how they can download the Bible.is to their phone so that so that they can begin to explore it themselves. Yeah. I have a, I have a friend here in um, the city where I live in. She came to the U.S. from Kuwait, and she lived in the U.S. for eight years before a Christian befriended her. And it happened because her, her grandmother passed away. So her friend just said, hey, you know what? When I have hard times like this, I found great comfort at church. Would you like to go to church with me? And we can go have lunch afterwards. So she said, yes, let's do it. So she took her to church. She heard the message. They were reading from the Bible, and she looked at her friend and said, what book are they reading from? And her friend told her, well, that's the Bible. And she said, that's beautiful. The friend <laughs> said, how about after, after church, we can go, to, the, we can go in, to lunch, and I'll buy you a Bible. And she said, I would love that. 
And so they did. She got a Bible for the first time ever. She'd come from Kuwait, would never have seen the Bible, but she lived with her parents who are devout Muslims. So she stuck it between the uh, mattress and at night she got up and she'd read it voraciously with a flashlight Wow! on her, on her own. So, um, so yes, that's awesome. You'll know when it's the right time. Well, I I mean, and that's how God used Christians to lead me to himself is actually seeing by a physical Bible in public. Cause I mean, and everyone knows this story, but, uh, you know, when I, when I, before I went to the first church service where I got saved on the very first time, um, the week before that, you know, I was at a coffee shop and there were young people, young Christians with Bibles, physical Bibles on the table. This was in 2009 uh-huh. when people still, still carried physical Bible because now everyone has, you know, has it on their phone. So they, right. but this is such a good prop to have yeah. in public. Just if like you're going out to, to a restaurant, a friend of mine, she, uh, she's such a bold evangelist. Uh, she, when she goes to dinner, she'll wish she and her husband, when they come to LA from New York, I mean, she, she has her giant Bible, like Bible that she's had for, you know, for about know, 20 years. And we go to like, you know, they'll, they'll take me to super fancy restaurants in Los Angeles and she'll just bring her giant Bible at night to dinner and just put it, you know, on the table at the restaurant. And <laughs> she, and then like the, the waiter or somebody will come to the table. And the first question she'll ask is like, do you know the Lord? And her husband's like, honey, uh, let's let them get us, you know, water at least first, you know. Um, but it's just, it's, I, 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 I wouldn't ever underestimate the power of just having kind of this with you because people, it does, it does spark kind of curiosity in people like, why is, huh, that's weird. That person has a Bible, yeah. especially in, in this town. It's just a weird sight to see. And yeah. so, um, I recommend, I recommend that too, just having a Bible with you, a physical Bible at all times. And just, you know, if you're having coffee, just have it on the table because you never know what's going to, what conversation is going to spark. Yes, because those persons of peace that the Lord is wooing to himself, there'll be some way that, that he connects you because of that Bible. It becomes that little clue that helps discern a person of peace. Yes. Well, amen to that. And so how can people get in touch with you and your ministry? Yeah. So um, the, the, the easy way is to look for our website, ihopeministries.org. We have a special uh, women's initiative called the bluecord.org. And so for, for those families or, or, or men, um, check out ihopeministries.org or the bluecord.org. And you wrote a book called The Blue Chord and explain the title, explain the title of The Blue Chord. Yeah, The Blue Chord was inspired by an Old Testament verse and in Numbers 15 through 37. And how it came to be was I had done a decade of ministry and lots of focus groups with women to say, what holds you back from sharing your faith, especially with women of other faiths and cultures? And there that was kind of just before the whole cancel culture started to hit. And so I was realizing how many of just everyday believers were really struggling with um, hiding their faith. And, and I know because I used to do the same thing. So it really, uh, I had a burden 
as we were wrestling with, can I do this and do I even want to? And so um, as I was reading the Bible, fasting and praying, what, what would this book become? I, I came across this passage in Numbers 1537, where the Israelites had messed up again. Uh, they weren't trusting God. And so God says to Moses, tell those Israelites to make a tassel with a cord of blue so that every time they see it, they'll remember who I am, who they are in me and what I called them to do. And as I was reading that, the word blue seemed to shimmer on the page and I just stopped and dove deeply into the commentaries and realized, wow, that blue cord is rich and deep in ways and I couldn't even imagine. And goodness, don't we today wrestle with those same things. We forget who God is. We forget what he told us to do and what, who we are in him. We're fearing man more than God. And so yeah. the next passage I read was in number or was in the New Testament, the story of the hemorrhaging woman touching the hem of Jesus's robe. And I realized, oh, wow, Jesus's robe would have had that blue corded tassel, too. So when she touched that, she found healing. And I wow. think there's something amazing with that symbol, um, how God gave the Israelites that reminder. We don't have to wear a blue corded tassel today, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit running through us to remind us. And so it's just a, a, a call to all of us to remember who God is, who we are in him and what he called us to do in our generation. Yeah. Well, we'll put the link below to the, the I Hope Ministry website and to the book as well, blue, the blue right. cord. But thank you, Karen Bajani, for being on the show. Thank you so much. All right, guys, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of The Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Thank you to the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find more faith-centered podcasts about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.